welcome to episode 13 of Shane Talks, which is called 13 Ghosts. Yeah, I didn't get very creative with this uh, with this week's episode when I was trying to figure out a shtick for the number 13 this week. Um, 13 Ghosts was really the only thing that came to mind, and so I put a poll on Shane Talks on the Facebook page, had everybody vote for ghosts that they liked uh, in a wide variety of movies from horror to comedies. Um, and tonight we're going to talk about the 13 ghosts that got the most votes. Um, I also kind of, uh, had to stretch it with what Sun King beer we were going to drink this week. Uh, so we got ghosts, death, the afterlife, the devil. So this week Jason and I are going to be drinking Sun King's 666, Sympathy for the Devil. Um, it is, uh, a Belgian-style dark ale that's aged in, um... Whiskey barrels, I believe. Yep, uh, aged in whiskey barrels. Um, it's got some chocolate, some fruity, like cherry flavor, a little bit, a little like some vanilla in the aftertaste. Um, really nice and smooth and easy. It uh, can easily get me in trouble because it goes down so like smooth and, and uh, enjoyable, and it sits at over 10%. So that's gonna get kind of scary. Um, this is the episode that shouldn't have happened. A uh, very weird thing happened this week. On Monday night, I went to the Shane Talks page to just remind everybody, hey, uh, voting ends on Tuesday for this. Uh, make sure you get your votes in. Uh, and the poll was gone. Uh, it had magically disappeared. I, I scrolled all over. I looked at my announcements. The poll was nowhere to be found. So I put up a post saying, uh, for whatever reason, it just wasn't meant to be. I wasn't supposed to do an episode this week. So, like many hotels don't have a 13th floor uh, because it's seen as bad luck, I saw this as a sign. Not supposed to do a 13th episode. But woke up Tuesday morning, had a text from Jason that said, Dude, you're crazy. Uh, here's a screenshot of the poll. It's there. Uh, I jumped online, and sure enough, it was back. So, I don't know why it was missing uh, that late night Monday night when I was trying to remind people to vote, but... It was back on Tuesday, so this episode is back on. So Jason and I are going to entertain you while we discuss the 13 ghosts that got the most votes. So here's a cheers to episode 13 and Sun King. Thanks again for another delicious beer. Enjoy our talk. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, Jason Mayer. Let's talk about some ghosts. Uh, I put up a poll on the Shane Talks uh, Facebook website. Uh, asking people to vote on, I think there was about 30-ish options of ghosts that I could think of. I told other people they could throw on any that I missed. Uh, just asking people to vote on ghosts that they liked from movies. Uh, first thing I'll say is, uh, the top 13 that I ended up picking uh, last night from the list, uh, lots of comedies on there. There's a few that are actually like true horror ghosts, but for the most part it seems like people really enjoy like comedic ghosts. Um, there were three of them that I didn't think of that I want to give honorable mentions to real quick. Uh, first one being the Force Ghost Yoda. Uh, Steve Brown put that one up. That was I can't believe I missed that, but that was a great one. Uh, my buddy Ben Grigsby put up um, Michael Keaton from Jack Frost, which as soon as I read it, I was like, he's 100% right, but I just completely didn't even think about that. And, then, well, and, and the but, messed up part is, do you accidentally... Like, I'm glad that you specified Michael Keaton, Jack Frost, oh, because the, the horror, horror movie film? Jack Frost is the exact same kind of scenario, but horror. But horror, uh, yeah. Um, so. And then finally, are uh, the entire cast of the others, which will, it turned out to be all ghosts until the final scene. So 
another warning about this episode. Uh, pretty much every movie we talk about on here is over 20 years old. Spoiler alert, you might find out, you know, that Bruce Willis is a ghost. Um, but yeah, just if, if you don't want any ghost movies spoiled for you ever, you probably shouldn't listen to this podcast at all. Uh, so, like I said, pick the top 13. We're going to go up from the fewest votes to the top. Um, number 13 was uh, Miguel from Coco. Um, really surprised by this movie. It was one I didn't see in theaters. I just didn't make time for it. It, it left theaters before I had a chance. Uh, watched it at home with the family and really dug it. Um, left before it ha- you had the chance. You just had no inkling to watch it while it was in Well, but I mean, it was a holiday film, so there was a bunch of other like holiday movies out that I cared more about that I made the time to go see them, and I did okay. not make the time to go see this. Um, had, it uh, been, had it been a non-holiday period, I probably would have made time to see it in the theater. Uh, ugly Cry. Ugly Cry, 100%. Ugly Cry at the end, dude. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, like, what was worse was, so, um, <laughs> so I take my kids with me, and Chris is sitting next to me, Nick's sitting next to him, and when I started crying, I kind of, like, I'm just sitting there, like, trying to get control of it and stuff, mm-hmm. and then I turned and I looked, and my kids looked traumatized by this, by the ending of this movie. Um, obviously, everything turns out great at For the sure. end because it's a Disney movie and it's a happy ending. Um, but yeah, they were really upset when the when you think bad things are gonna finish. For sure. Yep. Um, but yeah, like um, Miguel was Miguel's really cool and he's a lot of fun. And it's like uh, a, it's, a, it's an interesting take on a ghost because he's not, it's not like he dies and becomes a ghost. He basically gets cursed into being a ghost, and then yeah, he's hangs, just stuck in the nether world. Yeah, and then so he's hanging uh, out with other characters that are really ghosts. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. Thought it was a thought yeah. it was a decent flick. Uh, the fish out of water aspect yeah. of it's really to to flip it mm-hmm. uh, works really well for that movie, and it's and, uh, it's. And the, and the music's really good too. Music so. is really good, and and like you were saying with um, the 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 story at the end, um, like where you think where you think the dad is gonna fade away or whatnot, and then like he plays the song and everything works out. Like it was a it was a really cool like twist story. Like when when you think the other character is his great great grandfather, but then you find out who his great great grandfather really is, and like. Thought it was really good storytelling for it. Done yeah, but it's a Pixar movie, so we're we surprised. Nah, not at all. Uh, so the 3D was. Uh, I don't think I saw the 3D on this. Uh, I definitely I did not because yeah, I watched it at home. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of fun like dead jokes and and stuff that they did when he was in the the Nether World or whatever it was called in the movie. I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> afterlife whatever you want to call it but yeah yeah like his uh even his dog's a great companion oh yeah yep so yeah really really fun and enjoyable ghost there comedic ghost uh number uh 12 is not a comedic ghost number 12 is one of the best horror ghosts like ever tony todd kills it as Candyman, and uh i don't remember i we we get Candyman's backstory in the first movie, right? Like it's not the you get a, you get a, a tiny bit, bit of it okay. in the first one. I think it's the second one that they give you a whole lot more and of his backstory. You find out what happened to him and everything. Yeah, I think that was the second one. I never, I don't know if I've ever seen the third one. 
with Tony uh, Tan. Yeah, I remember the second and third ones aren't that good, but I they're kind of inter- I think I marathoned all three of them in one night, and that's the only time I've ever watched two and three. Uh, so I don't I don't they all kind of blend together to me, but uh, Dude, that that first one it, it's it's up there. I mean, it's easy it's easy for me to say that it's up there with Michael Myers and uh, um, as far as like the seriousness of it because um, like Freddy Freddy got like funnier as his sure. as his saga went on and Mike Myers kind of always stayed serious but like there was some really ridiculous stuff that happened um, you just mentioned Jason... Freddy Krueger and I don't even know if Freddy Krueger was on the list at all he could technically be a ghost ish yeah, he should be I mean, yeah, he's dead. I even, yeah I didn't even think about that that's so, that like, definitely I mean, missed it. Yeah, he should have. I mean, he should have been there. on the list, but and uh, but yeah, like Candyman is definitely. If you haven't seen that horror movie, get a couple of your friends, turn off the lights, and hang out in the living room and watch and see how many times people jump because it's so so much fun. Uh, so Jason Richardson, who unfortunately isn't with us tonight, uh, just for scheduling stuff. Uh, there's a great story that I've always grown up hearing about the first time he watched Candyman. Were, were you at that screening? I was sitting directly behind him. Tell me, t- tell so, us the story about Jason Richardson yeah. watching Candyman. So I was in one row. He was in the row right in front of me. It's a sloped floor theater because uh, it was at uh, Clearwater. And um, he was sitting in one row in front of me. He was on my left. He was on my right. I'm sorry. Jaybird was on my left one row in front of me uh, my brother david was one row in front of me and one seat to the right so they had a buffer in between them and i'm sitting there and i'm watching it and there's a particular scene where a dog makes a surprise appearance and when that happened jaybird literally shot up out of his chair moved over one seat and sat right back down next to my brother and like i i, I mean in considering <laughs> it literally happened one row in front of me I was rolling, man. Like I, I Did, didn't was, he scream pretty loudly oh, when he did yeah. it? Yeah, that's he, what I it remember. It was a very high squeal. <laughs> out of him. It was it was pretty great. So that is awesome. But yeah, Candyman definitely great ghost, great horror character, great villain. Like just such a creepy, freaky movie. Like shot in such a great way that like it's very tone deaf. Like there's not very many bright colors. It's it's all kind of just like mute colors through the whole movie. Like just and he is just insanely it's creepy. just creepy man yeah. like like the entire like the entire time you're watching that movie especially when tony todd's on screen as candy man like mm-hmm. your skin feels like it's crawling the entire time it's it is fantastic so yep easily a top i'll say top five horror movie maybe a top three for me of all nice time, i so. like that uh, jump into the next one. We've actually got another horror duo here. Granted, these girls don't get a lot of screen time, but they are definitely creepy in the few minutes you, you see them here and there. Uh, it's the Grady twins from The Shining. Um, oh, dude. That, that scene where, where Danny's riding his tricycle and just comes around the corner and, like, boom, like he's going around a bunch of corners, so you're not even expecting anything. And then all of a sudden he rounds one corner and it's just there, there. Like, dude, but those like, girls are creepy. The mute- the music's perfect for it too, like because it's like that. It's like it's like making that regular like, oh, we're just kind of trotting along, and then he does that turn with the camera mm-hmm. when he does the turn with the uh, the big wheel, and it hits those twins, and it's that high like screech on like the violin, mm-hmm. and it's just like it totally is disturbing, 
it makes you yeah dude like uh i yeah very effective um really um i'm not a huge fan of the shining i like the movie a lot i think it's very well done um i i think it's maybe because i got burned out on uh it was on a lot when i was growing up okay i don't know if that was a preference in the house for one reason or another or what but i remember it being on a lot and i think i've seen the ending of that mad max more than i've seen any other endings in my entire life oh interesting um but like yeah so um the twins show up in dr sleep as well so uh if you haven't seen dr sleep because of the fact that we have the segue here from shining i highly recommend dr sleep um not nearly as scary and not as like like horror scary in my opinion it's more like creepy scary like like and i mean I rebecca ferguson to... nails her character in that movie uh, yeah she's, she's amazing perfect and like the supernatural aspect of it's really freaky but it's yep. not like it's not as scary as the shining but it's on a different level and i re- and ewan mcgregor's awesome oh movie. yeah and bridging so. bridging the gap with the with the new young girl that has the the shine. I think I think it was a really good like adult child like mentoring dynamic that they did between the two of them. And like yeah. some really shitty stuff happens to that girl through the movie, and it kind of sucks. Like at the end when you think about it, it does. Um, I really, but I uh, I really enjoy the fact that um, I've never read the book. That neither have and, I. From and uh our other one of the guys who's been on the show at the time uh, was uh brandon yotter and he has read the book and said it, it like considering how the original shining ended mm-hmm. that wasn't the same as the book mm-hmm. that this lined it up and helped make it whole in a real nice way so yeah, yeah and i definitely really i definitely dig- read an interview with the director uh when when they were pitching the idea of doing a sequel i guess steven spielberg was or not i'm sorry stephen king wasn't very into the idea because he hates the Stanley Kubrick version so much. Um, the Dr. Sleep director's name is, is skipping my brain right now, but he, he told Stephen King, I want to make a sequel that is both a sequel to Kubrick's movie, but also is actually a sequel to your original book. So that it, it actually like is sort of a sequel to both of them at the same time. And, uh, Apparently, Stephen Stephen King was very happy with with Doctor Sleep, the movie. That's awesome, man. Because yeah. uh, it it definitely was one of, um, I, I surprisingly liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Well, and so. I definitely something that's been on my list to do for a long time is go back and watch the uh, the TV version of The Shining because apparently that's the one that uh, Stephen King prefers over the Kubrick movie. I watched it once, like, when it aired in, like, 91 or 92 or whatever that was when it was on TV. Uh, Isn't it, like, the guy from Wings? From the guy from Wings, yeah. Um, Like, the brother? Yes. The pilot brother? Uh, Oh, my God, his name is... is, uh, I can't think of his name. But, yes, he's he's the main character in that one. Peter Weber? Stephen Weber? Stephen Weber. Something like that. So anyway, uh, but yeah, I've been wanting to. I don't. I don't remember the Grady twins in that version, so like, I don't know if they're better or different or anything like that. But uh, definitely for the for the Shining and Doctor Sleep, they were they were creepy little girls, and I I feel like they did a really good job of casting 
because they, they reshot all of that stuff. They didn't use the original footage, and the, the girls they used in Doctor Sleep looked really close. Yeah, I would um, totally agree. All right, so moving on from that. Uh, so The Shining, we'll have another uh, we'll have another ghost from The Shining later in this. Uh, our next one is the first of two from Ghostbusters, and that is the uh, librarian um, comedy. Um, what were you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say, it's it's one of those things that, like, man, that um, watching it now mm-hmm. and the special effects, the way that they oh, were, yeah. I, like, it, it's kind of silly. Sure. But it, like, I remember when I was a kid and that, that scene freaked me out so bad. Well, they do such a good like, job of, like, when they, when they establish her, she just looks like an old lady reading a book. And then she, like, yeah. like... All of that just seems like a very old lady. Like, what's what's scary or creepy about that? But I will agree when when they approach her and she like turns into the angry ghost. Like, as a kid, that freaks me out too. Dude, I, I there was a um, when it comes to the Ghostbusters, that was the scariest point for me in that whole movie. Okay, when right. I was a kid, when I was a kid, so like I would be happy to walk out of the room, let that sequence happen, and then I would come back. And watch the rest of the movie and not nice. blink an eye at almost anything else that sure. happens throughout the whole film. So, so yeah, La- Librarian's a great opening to that movie. Uh, you've got the comedy between the guys in in the library, and then and then the creepiness with her, and then her terrorizing the library and, and going away and whatnot. So, pr- pretty enjoyable ghost there. Definitely, definitely in the comedy realm now. Um, sticking with the comedy realm, uh, we've got Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Where Ugh. Bill and Ted get thrown off of a cliff by evil ro- evil robots from the future, uh, and they die, and then they spend over half the movie dead, go on a journey with death, um, and at one point they possess uh, Ted possesses his father, and Bill possesses uh, one of the other cops that's in in the room at the same time. Um, definitely super comedic with with these two ghosts. It's not even that good, though. Like, I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I love the first Bill and Ted's oh, Excellent yeah. Adventure, and I'm, I'm kind of excited to watch Bill and Ted face the music here. Hopefully, it's good. But uh, Dead Bill and Ted, it's just like, eh. like. And, and it, my argument just, is, my argument against this movie has always been like, I, I love the fact that the first movie is about time travel, and it's a lot of fun. The fact that like. There's literally almost no time travel. There's no time travel that involves Bill and Ted in this movie, really. Except I'm sorry, I tell you oh, about, the battle, the battle of the bands when they go to the future and then come back and and play as Led Zeppelin or whoever it was they were trying to be. Like, um, yeah. that's the only time. Like the rest of it is is the death stuff and the journey to the underworld and then the journey to heaven and 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 I can get it because of the simple fact that you don't want to just do a rehash. Sure. You know, like here we are just we just got off of Ghostbusters who literally made Ghostbusters a second time and just yep. changed like a couple aspects of it. Yep. So like at least you didn't have that. At least they tried something new. I'll give uh, you that. I remember the soundtrack being kick ass for Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Uh God um, gave rock and roll to you. Uh I mean, yeah, okay, I'll give you kiss but i don't think it's the greatest song it's definitely not the greatest kiss song but it's it's um but like uh i know steve vi's got a a, a, a track on that record mm-hmm. um because i want to say it's him playing while like one of the scenes while like death is running around or whatever and it's kind of silly um but like yeah like 
at least they didn't do a rehash. You're right. They didn't do a Hangover 2 or Ghostbusters 2. They decided to do something different, and hopefully we get that with the third one, too. So We will see. All right, so sticking in, I guess it's kind of a comedy, but we're definitely going kids movie here now. I think the nostalgia factor definitely kicked in with a lot of people for Casper. Um, Dude, I love this movie. Even as an adult, I still, like, I've shown it to my kids, okay. and I still enjoy this movie. I need to watch it. It's been like 20 years at least since I've seen it. I remember Dude, thinking I, it was okay, and I, I liked it. I, I, I have nothing bad to say about it, but I just... If, good. If I could take, like, this was a, one of those moments where I ended up with a crush on Christina Ricci okay. at that age. Sure. Like, she was just super cute as cat like um yeah like I, I something super adorable about her in this movie um so when i was the age that i was when i saw it that i thought she was really like i was like oh kind of like celebrity <laughs> sure. crush moment but but uh she um the whole the whole cast is Bill silly Coleman? and has fun who's the yeah, who's Bill the female Coleman, uh, eric uh eric idol yeah eric idol Who's the female lead uh, opposite Bill Pullman? I can't remember who she was. I can't remember who what what her name is, but but even like the even the ghost animation is it, it still holds up for me. Like I watched this movie not too long ago. I want to say last year, or two years ago, with my kids, and I'm cracking up. And like you know, Dan Aykroyd's got a, a cameo. Oh yeah, he in does. As, I forgot as, about that. As the Ghostbuster. Um, <laughs> but yeah man like it, so so real quick, do you remember since you've watched it recently do you remember who played casper when he got to be a real boy wasn't it devin sawa it was final destinations oh, yeah. devin sawa yep the um i and i'm a you know i'm a big wuss and i cry at a whole lot of movies <laughs> i'm right and, there with you i get made fun of it by my family all the time that like my my family doesn't make fun of me so i'm glad oh, yeah. that, that doesn't happen but uh but, we'll be doing yeah, like, like family the, movie night and we'll get to like the like a father and son moment in a thing or whatnot and they both just whip their heads and look at me and i'm like wiping tears off my eyes because i don't know feel the dreams ruined me <laughs> but oh gosh what is the lady's name oh from casper you're still looking it up uh amy brenneman is the mom who comes at comes back at the very end of the movie to say goodbye to bill pullman like because okay. that's the whole reason why he goes there is because he's still trying to connect with his wife who died unnaturally and unexpectedly and okay. he feels like he can't move on and that's the whole reason he goes there and he's trying to connect with the ghosts um, yeah. and at the very end she shows up and she's like she's like hey you gotta let me go and you're doing a wonderful job raising our daughter i love you but that's that's right i'm going back and you can't come with me and i can't come here so like dude like i i, so, like, I, I, I won't say i'm ugly crying on this one but right. i will you, say you that tears definitely was this 95 this is 95 you 95? are correct so. i believe 95 so there's one there's one ghost movie that didn't make the top 13 list. I don't even know if anybody voted for it, uh, but I believe 95 was also the year that Frighteners came out. And as far as ghost Ooh, movies go... I, I thought that I thought that was later. Was it later? Let me look that up. Um, I, I guess it could two, be 97. Frighteners is 96. Oh, 96. Okay, so a year later. Okay. okay. Uh, but, like, 
Frighteners is one of my all-time favorite like ghost stories, and because of the fact that it's like you know ghosts and comedies and re- came out right around the same time, I think I kind of just lumped these two movies together a lot. But and I mean Michael J. Fox obviously, but like I really love Frighteners, and I was I was sad it didn't really get any votes in the in the poll. Uh, I I should have voted for Sarge. Like Sarge oh, yeah. and Frighteners is like the best ghost. Yeah, like, Arlie, he's so Arlie awesome. Emery. Yeah, he yeah. is awesome. Um. Frighteners is a movie it's really strange to me uh the tone is not consistent in that film because I feel like the first like 45 minutes of it or so or half an hour 45 minutes of it is like very comedic oh sure and it's got some dark stuff in it but then like once you find out who the killer like who death is yeah it goes super dark I 100% agree with you Oh man, like there are times where like I've thought about watching that movie and uh-huh. then I go, eh, I don't want to watch that. I, I don't want to watch the second half. I like the first half where it's a little bit more comedy. Well, see, and the like, crazy dude. Who's the crazy dude? Jake Busey. No, no, no. The the like the the cop like or whatever that's chasing after um Michael J. Fox's character constantly. Mm, I'm drawing a, is, uh, no he was the other this uh, wasn't the black ghost he's time still, with bride he's the really weird dude who's got like the he's got like the chest thing and he's like super sweaty and he's got like the comb over hair oh who yeah, is his, his name is drawing a blank with me and then like there are so many people that are in this movie too yep like uh like you said michael j fox and then john Aston, jake Busey, chi mcbride that's what i thought uh troy evans arlie uh emery ermy ermy yeah uh i think this maybe this is the guy jeffrey combs i don't think that's him though hmm. it doesn't ring a bell dude he, he's he's really creepy like Ugh. Yeah, I remember the guy you're talking about, but I cannot, I can't place the actor who played him. So yeah, anyway, tangent right there, just like I said, because they're they're so around the same time, and I just kind of lump them together. Uh, I, I enjoy Frighteners, and I'm sad that we're not actually talking about any of the ghosts from it. Um, but Dude. going on from going on from Casper, we are going to go to uh, Ghost Number Seven, which is a whole bunch of ghosts, to be honest, and that is the uh, the crew of the Black Pearl from uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, the first one. Um, I really, as much as, like, I, I think the movie itself is just kind of blah. Like, I'm not a huge, I'm not a fan of the Pirates franchise. The first one's the best out of all of them. I feel Absolutely. like they get progressively worse. I don't mind this movie compared to the other ones. The reveal of them being ghosts in this is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. Like, when her and, when her and Barbosa are inside and they're having their conversation or whatnot... And he's like talking about ghost stories and stuff. And then she stabs him. Yep. And then she runs out the door and all of a sudden it's just like uh, the the moon lights out and like everybody's a ghost. And then he walks up behind her. It's just like, I really enjoy that reveal. Um, I, I feel like this is one of the few movies that has pirates in it that uh, does it well. Uh, there's not too many great pirate movies okay. uh, that I can think of. Um, 
I love I I really love that reveal as well. Yeah. Um, but I will say that um they got the same swordsman who did like the Star Wars uh lightsaber battles to oh, do okay. the sword play in this in this movie and I think the next two. And uh it really shows. Um, I hate uh, the second and third one. I could have thrown them out the window. I never saw the fourth one. The fifth one was bad. Yeah. Um, so it, it's sad, but yeah. to think of the fact that this movie was based on a ride that had nothing to do with ghost pirates whatsoever, and they nope. ended up using that, and um, I, I think it's I think it's awesome, and I love the music to it. Um, another great cast of people or oh, yeah. with one of his first huge movies yeah, um, mexican was like two years earlier yeah but i mean that wasn't even that big no, no, no it wasn't yeah, yeah, like no. this thing's like she, this was a gigantuan man like i remember i remember being super busy at the theater with it like we watched it as a crew and then we were all pumped and then we it started to come out and we were all like we were like yeah this, this you should go see this movie um do you, yeah, uh, like, do you know what my favorite ghost in the entire movie is? Is it the monkey? It's the monkey. You I know me well. Yeah, the, monkey's, um, the mo- ghost monkey's cute. I have to say, I loved, uh, I loved the twist at the end. How Johnny Depp gets to, yes, finish Barbosa. Yes, like how it all worked out for him. So. Um, <laughs> There's some stuff in it that just don't make logical sense when it comes, and I mean, besides the ghost part, yeah. like when you're watching the movie, you're like, why did Elizabeth Swan seriously steal this kid's like gold <laughs> coin and be like, oh, you know, it's mine now. Like <laughs> she's got it 10 years later for no reason whatsoever. She didn't like take it so that he wouldn't get in trouble for being a pirate and then be like, here you go, Will. No, it was like, bitch, this is mine. Like yeah. I'm a rich I'm a rich person. I'm going to keep your gold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that always bothered me. Um, but uh, yeah, like the, who's the the Commodore that you like? Oh yeah. The dude that was in Smash and he was in Coupling. Um, yeah. Jack Davenport. Yeah. He's, yeah Jack he's, Davenport's awesome. He's fun. Yeah. He's fun in this movie. Orlando Bloom isn't a wooden piece of nothing in the film like yeah. he is in most of the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like um, I just really dig how um, ILM did the the ghost effects it was really cool. Yeah. And, like my favorite sequence throughout the walking whole out thing of the water or walking at the bottom the of the water, floor of the yeah. ocean to go out and take everything over. I think it just it just looks so cool. Yeah, so. it's definitely a cool scene. Uh, so the next ghost is one that I, I can't lie. I'm, I'm not super familiar with because I haven't seen the movie in about 20 years. Um, but, uh, Patrick Swayze from ghost, uh, Sam. Isn't, it, we- isn't it weird to say that you haven't seen a movie in 20 years? It like, really is I, weird. And doing all these podcasts, it's been one of those things where I'm like, when did I last watch that movie? <laughs> like, oh, wow. It's been like, before I had my kids. Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, it's really strange. I, I want to say it's been I, like high school for me since I've seen this. I hadn't seen it in probably 20 years, but mm-hmm. within the last year, it was on one of the TV, like uh, one of the movie channels that I get. Yeah, gotcha. And I just ended up turning it on because I was like, I don't remember a whole lot. 
I remember, I, I remember seeing it. I remember thinking it was fine. I don't remember thinking it was anything special. Yeah. Um, hint: Jason cries at the end. <laughs> the sad moment at the end of the movie. Um, uh... But but yeah, like um, uh, Sam Sam was. Sam's kind of cool in this movie. Like, yeah, uh, very, Patrick very Swayze fun. was just Patrick Swayze was dope as an actor. Like 100%. everything, everything he did was f- at least entertaining if it wasn't great. Yep. Um, so Sam in this movie, uh, I I found when I was rewatching it that I really, um, I really wow. didn't care for. Whoopi uh, Goldberg. Uh, what's her- yeah Goldberg and I don't know if that's hmm. because of like I don't know if it's because of her as a person or if it just doesn't age well for me with the, the, her gotcha. performance but I, um, I seem to I said it's been a while for me but I seem to remember liking their dynamic like once once they find out that she can hear him I thought they comedically played it pretty well they do for a little bit, but okay. she also she gets annoying because she's she? just it, she's very she's just very loud and obnoxious throughout the whole movie, and gotcha. and and I think it's pretty much the character not aging well for me because I, I think back on other Whoopi movies and I and I have no problems with her. Well, and like at that know. time, I was a big you know Star Trek: The Next Generation fan, so I probably yeah. was very like uh, open to whatever character she was playing just because I loved her so much on that show. Um, maybe now, 20 years removed from that, like, adoring her, I might not feel the same way about the character. Yeah, I just I just found her obnoxious um, for the most Very part. But overall, like, I mean, f- a fun, entertaining movie. I liked when, um, I like it when Sam's, like, learning how to do stuff from the other ghost. The like subway to, ghost or whatever? Yeah, like, yeah, he's, yep. uh, he's got to learn how to push um, and use his... his magical force powers whatever you want to call them and then he uses that at the end by like picking up a penny or something he uh, they slide a penny under the door because um uh demi moore doesn't believe that Whoopi goldberg can talk to sam oh okay and so sam goes through the door and then she Whoopi goldberg slides a penny underneath and then he grabs the penny I'm not exactly sure because he can only push. Right. Not exactly sure how he takes a penny that's laying flat on the ground and then pushes it. Like he didn't push it against the wall. He pushed it on a door where it would have just went right under the door again. Uh-huh. But whatever the case, Got he it. ends up sliding the penny up the door and then like carries it over to her on his pink on his uh, finger. Yeah, yeah. And so it like floats to her and she's like, oh my God, like hey, somebody might actually be telling the truth. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it it's fun. It's entertaining. It's definitely more of a chick click than uh I would I would classify it as like a drama chick flick with some comedic elements in it, but yeah, for the most part, I think it's more of a girl movie than it is a guy thing. So because like throughout the movie, so like Sam finds out stuff at the beginning, and then that's why they get jumped and why he gets shot and killed because like he was finding out somebody was doing like money laundering or something like that. And then are those exactly people, right? Are those Tony Goldwyn still Tony after Demi Moore throughout? The, I can't remember. Is he trying to protect her through most of the movie? So Tony Goldwyn is the bad guy. Okay. And he and Sam worked together and he was siphoning funds to do 
bad stuff. Right. And Sam started figuring it out. Tony Goldwyn hired somebody to shoot Sam. Yep. The guy shoots Sam, dies, and then he comes back. And then I can't remember if Demi Moore's character has evidence okay in her like effects or if she if like tony goldwyn needs something from demi moore's character so that he can finish hiding what he needs to hide got it and sam kind of gets involved because he's worried that she's gonna die and then they end up having a ridiculous chase sequence at the end well, where, I remember, uh, Tony I remember, Goldwyn's character dies. So doesn't his like thug get hit by a car or something, and then you get to watch him like demon pulled down into hell or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the whole thing is like a portal from heaven opens up and will take you to heaven if you deserve to be there, as long as you walk up that portal. Uh, whereas if you're going to the the bad place, uh, once you die, all of a sudden all these. Um, like demon shadow figures come out of all the shadows and come in and grab you and then they take you into the shadows i definitely remember screaming and kicking most of the time so nice yeah so uh moving on from that we're going back to the shining again for our second ghost from the shining a uh extremely creepy naked lady um The uh, the this, naked... is a, this is a theme for Stephen King, right? Like, <laughs> an old creepy lady who has to be naked. Yeah. So uh, she comes out of the bathtub in room two thirty seven, and uh, yeah, she scared the bejesus out of me when I when I was younger and watched it. Great moment in Ready Player One, which we talked about. Oh I think yeah, be here a couple of weeks ago. How uh, it was definitely uh, it's kind of a cool homage mm-hmm. moment for the movie version of ready player one so um yeah creepy as fuck dude. Like, like and i'm, I'm pretty is... sure that like two minute scene is all that she's in the movie but it's definitely memorable and definitely and she also comes back in uh dr sleep and is just as she's actually, she's actually a pretty decent uh plot device that they use at the beginning and the end of the movie uh absolutely uh that's really dope like yeah very good. I just realized that's a very good bookend where where Danny's dealing with her at the beginning of the movie and then uh the new girl is dealing with her at the at the last scene. That's pretty pretty good bookends for that movie. So yeah. not really much to say about uh about the naked lady except that she's really creepy. Um number four, we're getting back into some kids' movies. Um uh she appeared in two of the Harry Potter ones, The Chamber of Secrets and The Goblet of Fire, uh, and that's Moaning Myrtle um which is weird because out of all the ones i would have thought like nearly headless john kane would have been like the one that would have popped up for everybody from harry potter because i think he's hilarious in his just little small bits that he does throughout the whole movie that's that's actually a really good point that's that's a character that i didn't think of and i don't I, i don't think anybody else put him on the on the voting so yeah somehow nick nick yeah that's right because it's like John Cleese, right? Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. Sorry, what did I say? I, I I don't think you said a name. I, I, oh, I thought I said John something. and I, uh, I, But yeah, you're definitely right. It's John Cleese. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like it when he's like takes his head and he like completely, it's almost off when he night and like nods at people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that's better than Moaning Myrtle. I find Moaning Myrtle really annoying. As I think that's apparently... kind of the purpose of her character. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Like I was gonna say, that's the reason why nobody goes to that bathroom, right? Yep. Like even, um, even 
Hermione. Oh, yeah, Hermione. Sorry, I couldn't remember her name. Hermione is like nobody comes down here because of Moaning Merle. So like, it's totally makes sense and it works for the character in the in the movie. But uh, I like, I just like, oh, I don't need to hear that. So I remember in the second movie, she's kind of like the key that tells Harry how to like figure out where the Chamber of Secrets is or something, right? Uh, she yeah, they she does. I mean, she's in that room, and I want to say. Didn't she die because of the Chamber of Secrets? I feel like I feel like that definitely is right. Like, like I want to say she died from the snake, like the giant snake or something. I think you're like, right about that. So I can't remember how or why she comes back in Goblet of Fire. I literally, when I looked her up, I was like, oh, she's in two of these. I remember her from Chamber of Secrets. I don't remember her at all in Goblet of Fire. I'm not going to lie. Every Harry Potter movie I think I've seen one time in its sense. entirety. Gotcha. Um, while it was in the theaters, uh-huh. I've watched one and two recently with my kids. Nice. Um, for a Friday night outdoor movie night, and um, I like them. I just and, and I don't think. I mean, I personally think fan, the first Fantastic Beast movie was the best out of all Harry Potter. See, movies. and I need to watch those. I haven't seen either of those yet. I haven't watched the second one. I've heard the second one's not really that good, but I okay. love the first one a lot. Okay. Um, the second one I started watching, but I started watching it while I was tired, so I passed right out at some point. So, Makes sense. Uh, I do. I we own it. I want to watch it, but uh, I've got. I, I like the Harry Potter movies. They're entertaining enough. Yeah. Um, I like showing them to my kids, but I don't really remember her in Goblet of Fire at all. Yeah, I remember I no idea small where she was in Goblet of Fire. Of every one of the movies, but I don't remember much with her. So. Yeah. That'll be one I look up later because yeah, I don't remember it all. But uh, now, now that you've mentioned nearly headless Nick, I I really I feel like he probably should have been on the list instead of Moaning Myrtle. But when I when I thought of a ghost, like she came to mind, probably because she annoys me. <laughs> uh, moving on to number three on our list, going back to Ghostbusters. This character I'm actually a lot more familiar with from the cartoon that they did than the actual movie but it's slimer and i mean slimer's slimer's around a lot in the movie uh not a lot he's a not little that bit. much no he's like he's at the beginning and he's at near the end and yeah. like that's pretty much it but uh because they made him such a huge character on the animated series like that's where i always think of slimer from yeah um i'm not a huge slimer fan i know really? a lot of people are like i it's it was kind of fun to watch um, the movies that made us on Netflix. Like they did an episode that was Ghostbusters related, and you got to watch like the progression of the Slimer yep. entity uh, and how they what they started with and there how it, so what many it weird looking ones. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird, um, but I really enjoyed um, seeing the evolution of the the character. But yeah, I've never been that much of a Slimer person. Really? I don't know what it is about him that I'm just like, okay, he's fine as a ghost. Him sliming so. Venkman had no effect on you. You didn't find it funny? Uh, I, I think it's funny when he's talking after he gets slimed more so than when okay. he gets slimed. Like, Fair enough. It's not like you ever see it either. I mean, it's just like the camera rushes the uh, rushes I guess that's him. true. And then the next he screams, and the next time you see him, he says, "I feel funky," like, like, which is a great line, and I love <laughs> it. But like, yeah, you don't see much of Slimer. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's an overblown character for me personally. So. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, spoiler alert: if you've made it this far, 
this next ghost is literally a spoiler. And that's... You may or may not have heard this joke before, but Bruce Willis was dead at the end of The Sixth Sense. Oh, man, thanks for ruining that for me. Mm, man. Um, to this day, I have two friends that stand by the fact that they called it in the first five minutes that he was dead. And to this day, I still call them liars because I don't <laughs> see how anybody <laughs> ever in 1999 could have seen that coming. There was no, there was, there was nothing that led you to believe that that was what was going on in this movie. Like this is literally basically the first movie that, that introduced the twist ending. And I, I, nobody watching this movie for the first time would have had that in their mind. I have one friend of mine who swears by it. And I don't think I, I, I would love to say that she is a liar, but she might she might have figured it out. I don't know, but uh, it's one of those things to me that I did not see it coming. Um, yeah, because no, literally... Fight Club Fight Club wasn't until October. So yeah, I was gonna say Fight Club was the same year that they were both ninety nine, but Fight Club wasn't until October. So like this literally was like the first big huge twist ending movie that like I don't think anybody could ever see it coming. Like. There's there's clues and hints, but like there's nothing overt about it. It's so good, man. So it is good. So perfect. It's like the beautiful execution that you never see. Like it's like Michael Jordan when he or like Kobe when he scored. Wasn't it ninety one that Kobe scored that one time? Eighty one, like, yeah. When he eighty one. Yep. Like like I got to I got to watch the end of that game because he was going off so much. Like I like it's one of those things where it's like I remember where i what theater i was in i remember who i saw the movie with i remember like i can remember when he at the end i got it the moment the ring fell out of her hand that's when it came to me not when it hit the floor not when it rolled over to him the moment it came out of her hand i went <gasps> and like I, I sat there and I just did that deep breath and I just got chills going up my yeah. arms. Like, dude, like that, like the amount of creepy, every, all the hairs on my neck standing up, everything standing up on my arms, just chills going through my whole body. Fantastic execution. Uh, I can't I can't remember 100% if the ring dropping happens before or after he looks at the, the door and sees that the table is pushed in front of it. It, but, it's he, the the ring drops and then he starts see, recognizing all okay because yeah that that was the most so i i guess i was like a couple of seconds behind you but like when he looks over at the door and sees that the table has been pushed in front of the door that's when i was like there's something not right going on here like i've seen him go through that like i've seen him go through that door to go downstairs well no you never see him go through it he's just downstairs oh good point okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, dude, that whole, uh, like, the execution in that movie is just flawless. And, like, that's what you get when you have somebody who has a really great idea and he seriously just holds on to that idea. And, like, how long did he, it was six years, seven years that he fine tuned that script? Something like that. Yeah, he definitely worked on it. Yeah, for a long like, time. like, and that's the reason why I think, like, uh, episode four, A New Hope, works so well for George Lucas is. He was writing it and revised it so many times and yeah. so many times, and he just kept going back to that and fine-tuning that. I mean, he never had another script that was nearly as good as episode four nope. in any movie that he ever did. 
because he didn't even write the scripts for. I mean, he Co-wrote did he write the scripts for Indiana Jones? Oh, that, ooh, no, I think he was story by credited on those. I think so. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know if he actually wrote the uh, script. Well, and one. like that's that's even the more crazy thing about Shyamalan is, in my opinion, like he hit it out of the park like two or three movies in a row. Like I love Unbreakable that came next. Um, I don't mind the village, which I'm pretty sure was the next one after that. Um, well, he did unbreakable. You said I six said unbreakable. Sense unbreakable. Six sense unbreakable. And then I think the village was the next one after was next. Was it signs and then the village or village and signs? I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's tough. Either way, three out of four. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure those, those two were very close to each other. Well, and again, like we discussed, like signs, I didn't hate after my first viewing. Once I knew what I was getting into with Signs, I really enjoyed the movie the second time. Yeah, everything else is story by by George Lucas. Okay. So yeah, I, like he never, sorry, anything that was good that he had ideas for, mm-hmm. it was all ideas. It was not the actual execution of the script. So he's a great, um, he's a great idea man, just not very good with dialogue. Absolutely, uh, but yeah, like he and and the dialogue's not the greatest in A New Hope, but it it functions and it works for setting the tone of the whole thing. So, yeah. um, but getting back to Six Shyamalan, like, like there's a reason why he was in my top ten directors, man. Like he he didn't picture perfect movies, like you said. Three out of the first four are damn good movies in the. The and the fourth, fourth one is still four just okay, yeah. Was still good. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. He, and, and Bruce Willis is so good in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. you look at the stuff that he does, and I don't think that Bruce Willis, I feel like Bruce Willis plays Bruce Willis a lot, especially mm-hmm. nowadays. Like, he's just, like, he's just cashing checks, man. Like, he's got Harrison Ford syndrome. Like, yeah. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try hard unless I get a really good director telling me I need to try hard. Um, and yeah, like, and that Malcolm, Malcolm's character in that movie is so good. Just oh, and, like, and now that I'm thinking about it very much like Candyman, like it's a very like mostly monotonous movie, except for the color red pops out every now and then. But dude, and like, all the scary, like every time a ghost shows up, it's yes. not good. Like it's uh, so, it's the so girl under the good. bed, um, the kid saying, "Look, you want to see my dad's gun?" Nope. Like, <laughs> getting yeah. like chills and like like Malcolm Crow is our man. big ghost from this movie. But if you really want to break it down, like Sixth Sense has a lot of other creepy ghosts in it. Dude, like the girl who's yeah, like the the you said the girl under the bed. The girl but under the first bed, time yeah. he meets her, she's vomiting on him. Yep, like. Oh, like yeah, the 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 woman in the kitchen who cut her wrists, like, yep. like uh, all the creepy people in the courthouse that were hung, like yeah, that's a pretty. I still, movie. I still like the sequence when he goes in the dungeon at the top of the stairs, uh-huh. and like, and oh, you yeah. don't see yep. anything; you just hear all the banging and the screaming, like. Dude, like, my, I'm getting chills thinking about that. Yeah, that, like, that's great Alfred Hitchcock that moment. That's 21 years ago. Yep. Like, 
and I'm still just thinking about it and getting chills. Like that's that's amazing. Yeah, that that's movie great... is so good. Uh, so as good as that movie is, that was not our number one ghost. Our number one ghost <laughs> by far. Pretty sure he had double the amount of votes of Malcolm Crow. Went comedy, and I can't argue with it because Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Um, this movie's I a classic. Always, it's fun. I don't, know, I don't know how I always forget that this was directed by Tim Burton. Yeah, I don't know it's why. Potentially my favorite Tim Burton movie. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of Tim Burton's movies I don't hate. Um, it's Baldwin's in it. Gina Walt, Davis. Yep. Uh, the daughter is um, Gina Winona Ryder. Uh, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, amazing cast, great visual effects, great comedy, <laughs> like the big worm thing. <laughs> like like when uh, he a does lot of the practical stop animation. Effects. Like yeah, when you look back on it, like it probably doesn't look the greatest today. I, I haven't watched it recently. Like it probably doesn't like hold up visually, but like. I'm a sucker for practical effects, so even if it oh, looks yeah. kind of cheesy, like, the fact that I know that they built that head that he's wearing or, like, you know, anything like that, like, it's 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 a very fun movie, it's a very entertaining movie, and Beetlejuice is just so out there as a character that, like, growing up, I was just, like, I, I, I just, I'd never seen a character like that, like, uh, 89-ish, I think this was, maybe, 90 somewhere Ooh, around there. For... Uh, I don't know. Look it up for us. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's late 80s, but like, you know, when I was 10 years old, I'd never seen a character like so just over the top and ridiculous and crazy like that. 88. 88, okay. So... Yeah, I mean, you look at this cast, it's Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Michael Keaton, Anne Mac- uh, McEnroe, um, Catherine O'Hara. Yep. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The mom. Jeffrey Jones. Winona oh Ryder. God. I just oh I just watched Stay Tuned this week, the John Ritter movie. <laughs> so bad. It's but it, no, no, no like I enjoyed it when I was the when it came out. I I was the age that they were aiming yeah, for. So for sure. Uh, I I made Caitlin watch it with me, and like I don't think she enjoyed it as much as I did, but like. I looked at her. I'm like the the fact the uh, I I think what I enjoyed the most was the spoofs of real TV shows and like how oh, they yeah. twisted them all into being like uh, demonic versions of like what they really were. Like you know when I was ten, twelve, no, I was like ninety two, like twelve years old. Like that was cool to me. It was like you know the, like I was very big into Saturday Night Live in the early nineties. So when they would spoof things, like I really enjoyed you know their spoofs on stuff. So having an entire movie that was just spoofing a bunch of TV shows, I really enjoyed, but uh, he, so he shows up in that movie and I was just like, oh, yeah, he's shit. like the devil. He's yeah. And I was just like, Oh, it's that guy that I'm not supposed to like anymore. Um, what not? Oh, uh, he got arrested for pedophilia shit. Oh yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it sucks every time I watch Ferris Bueller because it's just like, yeah, he's a he's a known sex offender with a bunch of pedophile stuff on his resume, and it's kind of a bummer because he did a lot of movies that I enjoy and things that I really like, like Ferris Bueller, Stay Tuned, Beetlejuice. But yeah, it's just one of those bummer things now that I think it was, I think it was early 2010s or something that that came out and became like public. 
Interesting. Yeah, so just kind of disappointing about Jeffrey Jones because he he's as an actor, a lot of his roles are very much ones I enjoy. Interesting, interesting. He pled pled guilty in 2010 for a sex offender case. So wow, kind of a disappointment. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things where, like I said, like he's a lot of his roles I really like. But are unfortunately tainted by that knowledge. Well, dude, and like, don't get me wrong, it's gross, it's wrong. I, 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 sorry, I shouldn't have started the way I did. <laughs> How the hell? He was 64 years old when this came to light. It happened in 2013, so it was seven years before that. He's 57. Okay. And, uh, hired a 14-year-old boy to pose for sexually explicit photos. Dude got three years. uh, I'm sorry, he was sentenced to five years probation. That's it. Five years probation. Yeah. Kind of sad. Oh, People like that should get so much harsher penalties than that. I agree. Well, thanks for ruining that shit. So now every time he shows up on any movie (laughs) that our listeners or myself watch, we're going to be like, sex offender. Yeah, it sucks. But as we've said before, there's probably a lot of people in Hollywood who have done a lot of things that if we knew the reality about them, we would not like half of our, we would not like half of our favorite actors or actresses because of what they do with their money. Or directors. Yeah. So it's, it, it sucks. It sucks. I'm I'm glad I'm glad people like uh, Corey Feldman are out there trying to push the topic and how prevalent it is in the Hollywood system. Um, I'm I'm afraid for some of the names that in the future will probably be coming out. Um, like like I said, I think last week or the week before, like I know saying the name Weinstein is is like a bad thing nowadays, and that that's sad because he produced so many movies that I love. Like there are so many Miramax yeah. movies that I, I I literally love from '95 to you know 2005, like the, at least that 10 year gap. There's a large amount of Miramax movies that I absolutely love, enjoy, own, have bought multiple versions and copies of, and it's well, sucks. even the Weinstein Company when it shot oh. off of Miramax, yep. like before we knew how gross of an individual he was. Um, um, but then you have things like, you know, the cool thing about Kevin Smith is the fact that he said any royalties he gets from anything that has to do with anything that had Weinstein's name on it, that he was just going to donate it. Yep. So I'm, I'm hoping that's true. I'm hoping that he follows through on that's that right. with every time he gets that residual check. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's something awesome that you can, that they have the power to do, yep. uh, with the fact that something so ugly ended up tainting so many lives um Mm -hmm. and ruining um ruining lives but also like how the tentacles reached into all of these movies that you and i love or a whole lot of people you think about that entire time frame that you just mentioned there's a ton of miramax movies that won best picture oh yeah that won or were nominated for best picture nominated for all sorts of awards and it's like and unfortunately his name stuck on there so I mean, it sucks. Kevin Smith has been very like blunt and open about it that unfortunately, without Harvey Weinstein buying Clerks, he would have no career. Like nobody else was trying to buy it 
I mean, per Kevin Smith's story, but like yeah. without without Harvey Weinstein buying it at, at Con, Kevin Smith wouldn't have a career without him. So it's kind of an, unfortunately a double edged sword for him because that's the guy that gave him the 25, 26 year career that Kevin Smith has had, but he's also a really bad dude. Yeah, but I mean, like, when you look at Goodwill Hunting, yeah, it's not, I mean, he had his hand in that. I mean, Shakespeare in Love. Um, it, like, I was going to say, Shakespeare in Love is one of my all time favorite romantic movies. And yep. He's got his hand in that. And Phantoms. Scream. Scream, like, yep. Yeah, so. You say Phantoms. I don't know why you keep bringing that movie up. I understand what's happening next week, but like, dang, dude. Oh, yeah. Next Phantom, week, we're going to talk about 40 Ben movie. Affleck movies. I'm so excited. I have not I have not watched Phantoms all the way through. It's not ever. a bad movie, man. It's not that bad. I, I, like, if I had access to it, I'd probably be like, okay, yeah, I'll watch it. But, yeah, like, I mean, it's it, it, it's a it's a, um, a science fiction horror movie. Like, Isn't it Dean Koontz? Yeah, yep. Okay. Um, so, like, it's, it's, you know, it's it's stupid people doing stupid things and going off by themselves to get killed by the creature. It just so happens that it's not a, like, mass-murdering serial killer. It just happens to be an alien life form that's doing it instead. So, I don't hate Phantoms. I'm also not going to tell you it's the greatest movie in the world, but, like, I don't hate it. I, I've i watched it. Well, it's not on any it. of the streaming services that I subscribe to, so I will not be watching it at this time. So Well, we'll, uh, we'll see if I can make my DVD go your way. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was our ghosts and then our tangent about bad people in Hollywood that um, <laughs> it just kind of came out of nowhere. But, you know, it all it all kind of connects. So we're uh, we're actually going to be around our hour mark that we usually aim for every week. Sometimes we, sometimes we double or triple that. But uh, with only two of us on here, we went pretty quick tonight. Um, next week. Super excited. Uh, it might just need to be you and I because I don't know if a third person could uh, that that might make it like a six hour episode or something but next week episode 14 uh, is always be my Affleck um, and it is it is going to be Jason and I talking about every single role uh, that Ben Affleck has ever played starting with his uncredited appearance in Field of Dreams as a background extra at Fenway Park uh, and going all the way up into this year's uh, The Way Back, which is literally in my top three performances of Ben Affleck of all time. I I absolutely love The Way Back. So we're going to cover every movie in between those two and, uh, and talk about what we do or don't like about them. Um, and then the week after that, episode 15 is going to be 15 Bucks Little Man, which if you know, that's part of the rap from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And we're going to be talking about Kevin Smith for an entire episode, going through his career, the ups, the downs, the weird stuff that he got into. Um, and uh, after that, we've got a couple of different ideas we're kicking around, so I don't really know what to announce for episode 16 yet. But those are the next two. We're going to have fun with that. Uh, we do have a Firefly-specific episode that's coming up at the end of September, uh, getting together a bunch of our friends that are huge Firefly fans. The 15th anniversary of Serenity being released in theaters is this year. 15 years, man. Ah, Big Damn Heroes. I love it. You should have saved that shirt for that episode. Oh, man, I, I, I 
Don't worry about it. You got others? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so the the Serenity Firefly retrospective episode, uh, we've actually, as of now, got quite a few of our friends that are interested in being on that one, so we should have a really good chat that night. Um, I've got to figure out a way to set up things behind me. And... Yeah. We, uh, I got my Firefly, or my Serenity, well, how do I point? We got my Serenity behind me. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. So we're going to be talking about some things that I'm really passionate about and that I really love. Um, so appreciate everybody's time. Jason, I absolutely appreciate your time every week committing to doing this with me because it's, it's, it's always fun to chat movies with you. And it's, it's something that during this pandemic I've missed doing on a regular basis. So I'll take once a week if I have to, uh, but yeah, uh, thank you everybody that's listening and we will, uh, catch up with everyone soon.